This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Just coming up to 5.08. First up this hour, Rishi Sunak is set to become the next UK Prime Minister, marking a number of firsts. He's the first Asian to take the post and at the age of 42, the youngest PM in their modern history. Yeah, Shamala, he's going to be made Prime Minister probably around 6 o'clock or mm. 6.30 our time after Liz Truss uh, resigns formally, uh, meeting the monarch in uh, London. Now, uh, he, very interesting, you talk about many firsts, um, but, you know, the road to uh, 10 Downing Street is uh, paved with all kinds of mishaps, including the fact that the person that... Uh, is leaving the office. Liz Truss uh, was ousted only 45 days after her job. She resigned after she lost the faith and support of the Conservative Party. Had voted her in. The party base had voted it in. But she, as a result of many um, policy U-turns, mishaps, uh, really it created um, a crisis in her own government. So Sunak was essentially the only person to be nominated as the leader for the Conservative Party and so became PM without a vote, uh, something that's being remarked upon quite uh, quite heavily by those who aren't big fans of the Conservative government. Um, and in the running was also Penny Mordaunt, who failed to get enough backing from lawmakers to enter the ballot. She withdrew her nomination at the last minute. Now, on the other hand, former PM Boris Johnson abandoned his plans of a political comeback and withdrew from the contest, saying he could no longer unite the party. Uh, Sunak has actually had quite a meteoric rise to this position, right? He's gone from being MP to PM in just seven years, faster than any other PM in the modern era. And he was finance minister under Boris Johnson uh, and was finance minister during the COVID-19 pandemic, which is really when he uh, started making a name for himself. Yeah, the question is, he's promised to fix uh, the economy and fix Britain. The question, uh, Of course, it's his party and the leaders from his party who, in many ways, are unfixed mm-hmm. uh, Britain over the last uh, decade or so. who you ask, but mm, yes. Yes, but OK, so th- that's a bone of contention. The question is, uh, what is he going to do next? I think that... But what's actually gripped a lot of people, and I think this is around the world, and in particular with the South Asian diaspora, is the fact that this is a man of uh, Asian descent. And he's uh, Punjabi. His uh, family migrated to Britain in the 1960s. 1966, uh, to be exact, the year I was born. Uh, Coming from East Africa, I think he's got both Kenyan and Tanzanian roots uh, before, uh, because going back to India would be um, in what is now Pakistan, I believe, uh, but Punjabi. Uh, He studied at Stanford. He went to a famously very um, expensive school. I think it's Again, part of the uh, the hate that he gets is the, uh, that he's so rich. And part of his wealth also comes from the fact that he's married into the family of uh, N.R. Narayana Murthy, the founder of the giant Infosys uh, company, outsourcing company in India, which puts him and his wife in the list of billionaires. Which is exactly the thing many migrants are pointing out, that on the one hand, while it's a celebration, uh, and, and rightfully so, it's worth celebrating uh, a person from a minority community taking up the top post in the country, that that doesn't necessarily mean that... Uh, what he stands for, his politics, are going to speak for, advocate for all minorities because he's very much of the upper crust. Uh, he very much is um, of the a particular 
type of migrant and not necessarily yeah. reflective of all migrants to the UK. Absolutely. But, you know, the, what he his family does represent is a long trajectory of migration from India to East Africa in the 1930s uh, to Britain and so forth. And so uh, they weren't rich all, all the way. They, you know, in fact, there's a story about his grandmother selling her jewels, you know, uh, her jewelry in order to fund that move from uh, Kenya to uh, to Britain. So th- there's a kind of epicness, I think, Shamla, about the story that people, some people relate to because uh, they come from diasporic communities, they see and understand what those struggles are. His current situation, of course, in some ways it's, it's, it's paradoxical. The fact that uh, minorities are there everywhere in British society, from the working class to its elite, is a statement of social mobility, isn't it? Well, I am actually quite interested to see what this means moving forward. Um, I have to say the Conservative government hasn't necessarily been uh, the most popular in the last few years. Uh, so whether this is this represents something new or just more of the same, I'm curious. Uh, but let us know, are you following the developments in the UK? Are there lessons here for our own politics? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred WhatsApp or send us a voice note, uh, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us after this will be Siddharth Vardarajan, founder, editor of The Wire. So keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. Bodacious, fabulous minds. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 5.14. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. And today we are talking about the appointing of Rishi Sunak as the UK Prime Minister, about to happen in just about an hour, I believe. Let us know, are you following the developments in the UK? Are there lessons here for our own politics? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, WhatsApp or send us a voice note 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Siddharth Vardarajan, founder, editor of The in India. Siddharth, good to have you with us. Thank you. So what are some of the major conversations and responses happening around Rishi Sunak becoming the UK PM? Well, I think broadly speaking, uh, I mean, apart from general, a general sense of celebration and accomplishment that somebody of Indian origin has reached that kind of position, although it's more, I would say, an accomplishment of Rishi Sunak personally and the uh, South Asian community in the UK, and of course, of the British people and British society. Uh, I'm not sure what role uh, India has contributed or what why Indians should necessarily feel proud, but there is a sense of uh, of uh, great happiness and joy. But I think that the kind of comments that the you know the the reaction that people who think about this have is to draw the very obvious parallel between uh, British and Indian society and British and Indian politics, because uh, Rishi Sunak has become PM at a time when India's own diversity and India's own, you know, cultural pluralism uh, has has never been under greater strain, has never come under greater attack uh, from from those who rule and control India at, at present. So you have this, this irony of an Indian origin uh, practicing Hindu becoming the prime minister of uh, the UK, which is um, nominally or in legal terms a Christian country, uh, and yet you know has no problem in embracing at the highest level somebody who follows a different religion, while in India, which is uh, officially secular, but increasingly in the uh, narrative from the BJP a quote-unquote Hindu country, 
especially, uh, you know, uh, a country I mean, of a religion that is supposed to be inclusive and tolerant and so on and so forth. You have the irony of, of the greatest ever Muslim marginalization in public life happening. So uh, I think the most thoughtful responses that we are seeing, uh, the former finance minister Chidambaram from the Congress said that this is a lesson for India and Shashi Tharoor has also made a similar point. But uh, so far, there's been no uh, comment from those associated with the ruling BJP about uh, whether or not Sunak's elevation offers India positive lessons on the issue of uh, of, uh, of pluralism, which it most certainly does. Uh, Siddharth, you know, you lived in and studied in the West, and uh, the West is a curious thing. They're, they're people from minority groups who do rise up the ranks. It, it's almost always a question of class, isn't it? And and for some people, the fact that Sunak uh, personally, you know, worked for Goldman Sachs and he is married into the Infosys family fortune, uh, sort of neg- for them negates the, his success. What would you say to people who... Uh, who, are, who don't make a distinction between the class and the, the race issue as it appears in this particular instance? Look, I, I, st- I lived in the UK from 1979 to 1986, admittedly as a student, first um, at the age of 14 in high school and then uh, at the you know, bachelor's and master's level at, uh, you know, where I did economics. So, so from 14 to 21, which were my formative years, I... I lived in England and saw English society at great, at great, um, you know, um, great proximity. Uh, although my experience, as I said, was as a student, not as a migrant, but what was happening around me was, you know, was obvious. And there is no, you know, th- there is no uh, argument that the Britain of 2022 has moved far, far ahead of the Britain of uh, 1979 when I first entered. Uh, of course, uh, class matters, and class matters in many ways more than race. But to believe race doesn't matter is is to live in a fool's paradise. It does, uh, but class matters across the spectrum. I mean, if you if you were to look at the social background of all British prime ministers, including the white ones, um, you know, you will find that they're uh, they too come from the same, broadly speaking, the same elite privileged background, with some notable exceptions that that Rishi Sunak came from. So, in that sense, you know, politics at that level is the preserve of the rich. Uh, uh, but you know, racism operates at every level in every you know in in a, in a whole variety of ways, and I think that to uh, one should not downplay the importance of class here, but to imagine that uh, at some level the racial element uh, and racist kind of concerns have not been uh, overcome uh, in British society uh, would be you know would be uh, unfair on our part. Of course, there's lots of racism still in the UK, and just because. You have somebody. Like, it's like just because Obama became president of the U.S. doesn't mean that uh, racism ended in the U.S. Uh, uh, or that the life experience of many African Americans changed radically for the better. Uh, so, nor is this going to mean the same thing in the U.K. But uh, I think that uh, you know symbols uh, also matter, uh, and uh, the fact that the U.K. has been able to do this uh, tells us that um, that somewhere down the line. Uh, and you know, incidentally, they're not the only Europeans to do this. Right? Ireland, uh, Portugal have all had uh, Indian origin uh, prime ministers before. Uh, you know, this is uh, uh, you know it shows the extent to which these societies have evolved, uh, and uh, you know towards a, a sense of of citizenship that is uh, not linked to 
you know, what sociologists would call, you know, ascriptive identities, race, religion, those sorts of things. And I think there is, that is where this offers a very strong lesson to um, a country like India and dare I say a country like Malaysia too. So you touched on this a little bit earlier, the uh, general celebration that a lot of members of the Indian diaspora uh, are sort of approaching this news with. And I was curious about that. How seriously is, um, you know, is the Indian diaspora taking this? And in a larger sense, why? What is the significance of this? You know, I can, I, my first-hand experience is only of uh, Indians in India, not the diaspora. Uh, but, I, but obviously the Indian diaspora has... Uh, you know, a greater, you know, stake and investment in uh, in Sunak's future and Sunak's accomplishment because uh, he is one of them. He's one, he is a product of an immigrant family and you have similar families all over. So, so there, there was a joke I saw on Twitter that this has raised the bar uh, in uh, in Indian families uh, across across the world where earlier the parents would tell their kids that, you know, you have to get into Harvard or you have to get into Oxford uh, and now they're going to say, look, you have to become PM. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, so I think that, you know, for, for, for the diaspora, particularly those uh, uh, living in countries which have experienced uh, decades of institutional uh, racism, as the South Asian community, Indian community in the UK undoubtedly has. Uh, I mean, when I was there in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, racist, racist attacks were a fact of life. Uh, ethnic slurs being flung were a fact of life, job discrimination, uh, wage disparities. These are all facts of life. Um, uh, you know, after Shapurji Satlatwala uh, lost the Battersea uh, uh, constituency seat in 1929, uh, the House of Commons didn't have a single non-white or, or a single South Asian or black member of parliament till 1987. So that we're talking about, you know, more than 50, uh, 50 years. Uh, and it's only in 1987 that you have you know, Diane Abbott or Keith Vaz getting elected. And then, the, of course, the, the, the community hasn't looked back since then. So it seems to me that, you know, many of us uh, outside of Britain use the news coming from Britain, a country that we probably know very little about and whose, in, whose intricate politics we know uh, cl- close to nothing about. And yet we use it as a foil for our own lives. You mentioned India, uh, in Malaysia too, we're having this conversation about the visibility of minorities. I, I want to ask you if... Uh, there's something to be said about the way in which Sunak himself deals with this, his, his own uh, identity, um, you know, as a Hindu, as a Punjabi, as somebody whose grandparents came from East Africa uh, more, more recently than they came from India. How does that all uh, tell us? What does it tell us about that story, do you think? You know, he, he is uh, uh, somebody who has never downplayed his uh, his uh, his culture and his his uh, origin, as far as I can tell, um, you know, he has taken great pride in who he is and how he came there, and uh, and he sees no contradiction between celebrating any of that background and diversity, and his his being a, a British citizen and a proud British citizen of that. So I think that the the ease with which Rishi Sunak is able to embrace his his own family's history and culture without in the least bit coming under pressure, even when it comes to public displays of that, uh, uh, you know, is, offers a lesson, uh, you know, tells us a lot about him. It tells us a lot about, about where Britain is today. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that Britain uh, is no longer a place where, you know, racist ideas and racist beliefs and racist attitudes don't exist. They, they, they definitely do. 
but it's clear that their salience has uh, has declined. And I think that uh, in our countries traditionally, uh, in India, you know, Muslim minorities um, have not, uh, you know, they have uh, not shied away from, um, you know, displaying outward markers. But increasingly, the outward marker of diversity, if you're a Muslim in India, uh, comes, fr- uh, you know, freighted with the risk of random attacks, uh, or if you are a Muslim accused of a crime, increasingly we are seeing this trend of the police coming and demolishing your home, even though there's nothing in the law that allows that. Uh, so, uh, you know, in the in the UK, uh, there's nothing, you know, uh, that in the least would, you know, um, if any, if any, you know, which would drive minorities to want to hide. Uh, their uh, their culture or, the, or or their origin and uh, you know so I think that this is this is a very big difference between uh, the UK as it is today, uh, which is different from the UK of say sem- of the late seventies or early eighties when when Indians living particularly in areas where there were very few Indians may not have felt so comfortable uh, being very public in their Indianness, uh, but I think that the the kind of Britain that Sunak is in today. Um, you know, is is different, and that tells us a lot about where Britain is, and and of, of Sunak's own, you know, um, his own uh, pride in in what he is. So we have a number of people messaging in our listeners, actually. Um, Legion says Rishi Sunak has to solve the problems caused by Rishi Sunak. Uh, Norman says uh, he wasn't chosen by a general election, but by a hundred other MPs. Um, Basically, I think circling the point of what sort of leader Sunak might turn out to be, um, and also within the context of him being um, the latest in a line of conservative leaders. So talk to us about that. Um, What do we know based on his track record? Well, I mean, uh, uh, the, you know, having having praised his uh, his personal attitudes to the skies, I would now have to say that what what I've seen and studied of his record uh, and his his political attitudes and his his socioeconomic thinking, you know, doesn't it, it doesn't um, fill me with warm and cuddly feelings. <laughs> uh, you know, his outlook is very different from mine, and I dare say, if Britain is in the financial and economic mess it is in today. Uh, then he, as chancellor for a good many of those years, has to bear responsibility. But, but I think that you know, uh, it's one thing to be chancellor in a government run by Boris Johnson, and another to to be your own person. So maybe, uh, as prime minister, uh, you know, occupying the commanding heights of policymaking, as it were, uh, he would be able to uh, to right right in the ship. But I think that uh, the areas that I would worry about is precisely the class dimensions which you which you say have propelled him to where he's at. And I think that somewhere down the line, uh, the uh, ruling establishment in the UK, uh, the, you know, the top wealth holders and the kind of those who, who, who run the commanding heights, who run the economy and whose benefit the, the economy uh, has been running, uh, have obviously propelled him there because they have confidence that he will not take decisions which are going to hurt their interests. And uh, Sunak himself has expressed uh, the opinion in the past that uh, that working people and uh, that, that rich people already are paying too much and that working people perhaps need to pay more. So I, you know, I think that if there's an attempt to, uh, to shift the burden of adjustment in this uh, as Britain gets out of its crisis onto the backs of, of ordinary working people, uh, then I think that would be uh, uh, you know, very unfortunate for the people of Britain and for the British economy uh, and, of course, eventually for Mr. Sunak's place in history. 
because having having uh, become Britain's youngest prime minister and his first ever PM of uh, of Indian origin, it would be terrible if he's also regarded as the prime minister who uh, you know inherited a bad economy and made it worse, or uh, you know led to the impoverishment of uh, of larger sections of people that have already been uh, adversely affected by the post-COVID uh, situation. Siddharth, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you. That was Siddharth Varadarajan, founder, editor of The Wire in India, weighing in on uh, Rishi Sunak being the next UK Prime Minister. Let us know, are you following these developments? Are there lessons here for our own politics? You can call 777 WhatsApp or send us a voice note 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.